a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We are friends with Fantasy Benefits. Mike, how hard are you right now? Oh, man, I- I've been hard since you you know, said hi. Welcome to Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast. I have seen projection systems that have the Giants actually winning the National League West, which, of course, would make Darius and Justin completely insufferable at some levels. <laughs> we are friends with Fantasy Benefits. <laughs> well... I've really enjoyed his spring training pronouncements. Uh, Representing Philadelphia, any chance I can. We are friends with fantasy benefits. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friends with Fantasy Benefits midweek podcast. I believe this is going to be a special podcast for all of you because we have a completely new format, which we are unveiling this week. And this format is uh, sort of a podcast game show of sorts. We're going to run through players, and my uh, special guest analysts do not know what I have in mind for what these players have in common. So it's kind of like a retro game of Password, but with fantasy baseball players. So I'm excited about the format. Uh, it throws a little extra on my plate because i got to try and be creative. But I was an English major in college, and that's what I'm supposed to be anyway. Uh, most importantly, in this case, uh, actually I haven't worked with Darius in a while either, but uh, this is my maiden voyage of working with J.R. Fenton. So I very much want to uh, hear his contact information and what he is working on right now. JR, how are you today? Chuck, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's uh, absolutely our pleasure. What is your Twitter moniker? Uh, so Twitter, you can follow me at John Russell 215 um, Pretty simple. 215, just representing Philadelphia any chance I can. 
All right. Well, I got my uh, I got my hard cover. Uh, well, my paperback cover of the fantasy benefit today. So there's still time for you guys out there to get the Friends with Fantasy Baseball fantasy baseball draft guide. And boy, is it chalked full of information. I was very impressed by it. Darius, uh, which copy did you uh, did you order out for? Yeah, I haven't haven't gone for the paper one yet. I'm not sure if uh, anybody is producing it or if it would have to get shipped over here yet. I really need to look into that. Uh, so just uh, electronic for me at the moment. But uh, yeah, I feel like I probably should get one because I've, I've not been in a book uh, before. So that, that would be pretty cool. So, you know, that surprises me that you haven't been in a book. Uh, that's actually my first. Uh, I've sent off some stuff to get published that hasn't been published. Uh, so I've been in some... Uh, been in some forms of of it that haven't been really out to the public before but it was pretty neat experience for me as well well unusually enough in this format i need to uh i need to we need to go through some players and then i will consistently go back and uh reiterate which players we've covered so you guys out there as listeners can try and figure out exactly what i was getting at and why we were covering these players right now uh, the first player that we're going to cover is one Andrew McCutcheon, and his ADP is right around 84th overall. And being as he is a San Francisco Giant, and Darius is one of our uh, multiple Giants gurus on our FWFB staff, why don't you tell us what you're expecting out of Andrew McCutcheon this year, Darius, and tell us if you like him as a draft value. Yeah, I, I kind of do. I, I actually took him in the uh, Great Fancy Baseball Invitational. Um, he's kind of sliding towards the, the back end of the top 100. And he was uh, actually really good last year. He, he had a slow start and, and then he kind of looked like the old cutch from kind of uh, mid-May onwards. So I was really impressed with that. Obviously, it's not a great landing spot offensively. You don't want your hitters to be an AT&T if you can help it. But he's not a lefty so I don't think it hurts quite so much uh, and yeah I have faith that he's going to be in a great spot in that lineup uh, now that they've brought in Longoria as well and they've got Posey and I think if Belt can stay healthy then there's several good pieces around him um, and I think he, he showed last year that if he is healthy um, and I think that's part of the problem that he's often played her over the last few years and that's kind of down, down his stats but he's been incredibly consistent in terms of staying on the field maybe to the point that sometimes he shouldn't have done um, but I, I have great confidence in his skills and you know people have been making jokes about how old the Giants are now um, but he's still only 31 uh, so he's not like completely over the hill or anything so I, I think Kutch is going to be just fine in San Francisco so I'm expecting good batting average uh, you know mid uh, to low 20s home runs and, and maybe uh, chipping a, a few steals yeah well, I have seen projection systems that have the Giants actually winning the National League West, which, of course, would make Darius and Justin completely insufferable at some levels. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it it definitely is an odd – it's not the landing spot that people were hoping for. Boy, uh, just a year ago we thought he was going to end up in Washington, and uh, that would have been a completely different sort of – uh, cast of characters around them than what he is getting in San Francisco. JR, what do you feel about an 84 for an ADP for Andrew McCutcheon right now? It's funny because that's exactly where he went in the great invitational in my league, League 5. He went at 84th overall. <clears throat> we saw guys like Hosmer and Cano and Miggy, Arietta, and Travis Shaw go in that same round in that area, so I kind of felt comfortable with him going right there. I felt like a good pack. Um, Batting number three in this lineup, I, I kind of love it. Maybe it's just me, but 
bunch of these older guys getting together for one more, you know, maybe two years of uh, one more good run. I really think we could see a jump up in at least, you know, some runs scored. I know he, not, he had 95 uh, runs scored last year, but with Longoria and Posey behind him, we could see a little uptick in that. His RBI total at 88 last year maybe goes down a little bit with Joe Panic and Brandon Belt batting in front of him, but the dude still mashes lefties. He had, um, you know, 1,100, you know, OPS versus left-handed pitching last year, so that was phenomenal. I I just like where he's going. I think it's nice, and especially batting three in that lineup. Well, I did a little research as well, and some things jumped off the page at me. 146 or more games played every year since 2010. That's uh, impressive. That's uh, that's the equivalent of a Cal Ripken-esque streak in this day and age the 363 on base percentage last year i thought was a very good sign as well 28 home runs 182 rbis plus runs scored uh plus you know 11 stolen bases last year he walks 11.2 percent of the time uh so i have the question you know written down in my notes of how overblown is Andrew McCutcheon's demise. He actually uh, played pretty well last year, by by and large, to say the least. And I think uh, he is a relative value at 84. I, I agree with that. And he's only 31 years old. He might seem like he's a little bit older than that because he broke into the, he broke in at a very young age. All right, let's talk about another 30 plus year old outfielder in Adam Jones. He had the fourth highest swing percentage in all of baseball last year, 58%. He has 14 stolen bases since 2014. It, it stunned me to see that he's never hit over 290 in a season, uh, but his 73 RBIs last year was his lowest since 2008, and I'm going to blame that on exactly how bad the bottom of the lineup has gotten in Baltimore. Adam Jones is going with the 147th pick overall on average i am very curious jr do you see any buying opportunity or any value here in adam jones i do chuck especially for the four hole hitter for one of the two teams that's projected to break the home run team total this year um the guy's gonna be sandwiched in between scope and manny and mancini and davis he's going to see some pitches and Every year, you can basically say Adam Jones is a lock for 26-plus home runs. He's done it the last five years. The guy's going to get you to that number. Now, his 320 batting average this spring is a little high for him, but literally just as I was writing down the notes, he cracked a two-run dinger, his first plate appearance in the game this morning. So 147 seems kind of like a steal to get a guy who's going to be hitting in the order of one of the most powerful lineups statistically that we're going to see this year. Well, I think... He's traditionally nicked pretty heavily in fantasy circles because he doesn't walk much. Uh, that goes into that swing percentage that I talked about earlier. But in batting average leagues, uh, I don't see uh, much reason for concern. He's actually his BABIP was actually down a little bit last year, but I do think there's uh, there's still another two or three good seasons left in Adam Jones. Uh, Darius, uh, do you concur, or would you uh, would you rage against this uh, theory that there's value with Adam Jones? Yeah, I, I think it's it's just fine. I I like Jr's point about the context. I think there are going to be a ton of dingers in that lineup, and he's obviously got plenty of guys around him who've got strong offensive skill sets. So I think the the context in terms of the counting stats should be pretty good. 
my my one issue with Jones is it kind of looks like he's been consistent the last few years, but actually when you factor in the offensive environment going way up the last couple of seasons, it's kind of more a bit like going backwards on the power front. And that's kind of nitpicking a little bit, I guess, but uh, kind of maintaining that uh, mid to high 20s home runs over the past four years while the the ball has changed and, and everybody else has been hitting a ton more dingers kind of suggests to me that maybe his power is fading a little bit and it's just been masked by that. Um, but I think he's going to be an incredibly consistent guy. Like McCutcheon, he's going to spend a lot of time on the field and I think you're going to get your runs in RBI no matter what. And and as you said, Chuck, the batting average is going to be a plus two. So yeah, I think he's probably going to be a nice value. And I think he's a nice anchor if you've maybe taken a couple of risks in your draft and you're looking for someone you can count on, then I think Jones is a pretty nice pick for that. Yeah, the Orioles, while while their pitching staff seems to incrementally get worse, and it hasn't started very well to begin with over the last four or five years, their offensive upside seems pretty huge. Uh, Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo are not exactly consistent players, uh, but the fact that they could add to quite a bit of offense with Machado already uh, and Adam Jones seems to indicate that uh, there's a lot here. Man- Trey Mancini being the young player sort of in the mix that has started to produce. Austin Hayes being uh, the gentleman who's probably going to add to the mix at some point this year. So let's move on to the third player on the list. Uh, first I'll re-summarize. We, we went through Andrew McCutcheon and Adam Jones so far. And the next player on the list is Hanley Ramirez, who is 34 years old now. And Darius, why don't you tell me how you feel about Hanley going into this season? <laughs> well, I've really enjoyed his spring training pronouncements. Uh, he's had some great quotes. I believe he's going 30-30 this season, which would be just incredible. Uh, I can't think of many things more unlikely than Hanley Ramirez stealing 30 bases at this point in his career, but uh, it would be very entertaining to see him try. Uh I, I think there's still something in there if you can get right. I, the shoulder bothered him most of last season. It was only uh, two years ago that he had a, a pretty nice offensive run. Uh, and obviously there's plenty of uh, promising pieces in this lineup around him that would give him a, a ton of RBI if he could actually stay on the field regularly and, and get back to that kind of level. Um, but last year was pretty miserable. And, and the Red Sox are in a position uh, in that division with the Yankees that they can't hang around and just roll him out there every day to let him try and get going. So I have a lot of concerns, but, but where he's going in drafts right now for somebody who has in the past been a first round caliber player, I think he's perfectly worth taking a flyer on uh, to see if he can recapture some of that form. Well, he's going at on average at pick 326, uh, which is, uh, which is astoundingly low for someone who has had some of the seasons that he's had in the past of course, his 242 batting average with a 272 BABIP last year isn't helping him very much. Uh, JR, how do you feel about Hanley Ramirez, the enigmatic Hanley Ramirez going into this year? Well, he had four attempts to steal a base last year, and he only stole one. So if he gets 30, and I think we should play the lottery or something. But kind of to piggyback off what we said about Adam Jones, Hanley's kind of penciled in to hit number three in this lineup. Lineup that consists of Mookie Betts and Benatendi and now J.D. Martinez. So if we're paying the price at a 326th, 325th overall for a guy batting right in the middle of that lineup with a ballpark that he's familiar with, 
Now, I think that actually might be some great value. The off-season shoulder surgery, surgery scared me a little bit, but for that price that we could get Hanley Ramirez at, I mean, it seems crazy to think, you know, six, seven years ago, he was the top, you know, five, top ten pick. Well, the thing about Hanley Ramirez here is it's been well noted between Justin and I have had a lot of banter about how I don't prefer to draft uh, util-only guys, but he is slated to be their regular first baseman uh, more often than not anyway. He's obviously going to have to share a little bit of time with Mitch Moreland, but I don't think he's going to be util-only for very long. I think he's likely to get his 10 games in at first base within the first month of the season, so that makes a, a big difference to me. And more important than what he's spouting, uh, I think it's really important to note that the Red Sox, uh, even before spring training started, came out and announced that Hanley Ramirez was their number number three hitter. So they have been uh, very emphatic about that. And uh, as has been mentioned here, I think for 326 as a uh, an ADP, I see quite a bit of upside. I think 30 stolen bases is a pipe dream. But I don't think uh, 25 home runs and 10 to 12 stolen bases is uh, out of the question. So uh, I'm pretty high on Hanley Ramirez this year myself. Going a pick after Hanley Ramirez is another guy who I really was stunned to see how much value he brought last year. And he's also multi-position eligible. Uh, I suppose living in the part of the country that you are, JR, that you are quite familiar with the work of one Jose Reyes, who is 34 years old now and going at pick 327. Where are you on Reyes this year in that jumbled mess of an infield uh, in New York? (laughs) So, Chuck, I started writing down the notes for Reyes, and I kind of just stopped after I wrote down 326 uh, as his ADP right now because – there's really no part of me that wants to touch Reyes, whether it's at 326 or 526. Um, I know we have Ahmad Rosario and we have Abdul Cabrera in the infield for the Mets. They're not great guys. They're not standout players. But Reyes, you know, should steal some of bats here and there. But what is he really going to do for us more than getting 15 to 20 stolen bases? I, I don't see him hitting in the top of this lineup because his bat's just not that consistent anymore. And the bats that follow him behind it with Todd Frazier and Adrian Gonzalez, ugh, they don't really do it for me either. Jay Bruce is going to have his RBIs, but this whole team in general, I don't want to have any part to do with them. That's not just because I'm a Phillies fan. I'm actually happy that they're not doing well. But as far as it comes to Jose Reyes, he can keep falling in drafts because I don't think I want to touch him at all. Well, it's odd when we're talking about maturing players. One of the things that I noticed is that his 8.9% walk rate last year was a career high. You know, 24 stolen bases and 15 home runs last year uh, needs to be put in the context that, you know, everybody was hurt on their infield. So that made a difference in how much he was actually playing. So I certainly get that part of JR's criticism. He had a 263 BABIP last year, which led to a 246 batting average. Uh, his 145 games played last year was the most games he's played since 2012, and his 15 home runs was the most that he's had since 2008. You know, there's this there's this ongoing narrative that as players get older, they should uh, they should develop 
better plate skills, uh, get more relaxed within their roles of who they are. Uh, Reyes is sort of has his own story because you know we all remember that he got in trouble uh, when he got traded from got traded from Toronto to Colorado and a lot of people thought his career was over and I came out and announced that he was going to be hyper he was going to be full of incentives to to rebirth his career when he got back and uh, that was the first time that Justin and I sort of argued about uh, player incentives and motivations and Reyes has relatively bounced back from some of the low points that he had between Toronto and Colorado now, uh, like I said, that 263 Babbitt means that if somebody wanted to be an optimist, I don't think the cost at 327 is overly punitive. And I think in draft and hold leagues and places where you have to try and cover uh, as much ground as you can with as few picks as you can because you can't pick up players during the season, I think him being eligible, eligible at second, short, and third is kind of valuable. And the other optimist part of me says that... Ahmed Rosario is not really a proven commodity at shortstop yet. I don't foresee him getting sent back down, but it's certainly not out of the question. And the people that they have manning third base and who they have manning short or uh, second base are not, they're, they're getting older, so there's a chance that he gets some extended time as an injury fill-in. So in the right spot, I actually kind of like Jose Reyes as a draft value. And Darius, you can be the you can break the tiebreaker. How do you feel about Jose Reyes this year? Yeah, I I kind of feel like you're not gonna feel great about it. I I owned Reyes in a league uh, pretty much all of last year, and I've kind of felt like oh, this is you know I was always sort of on the verge of dropping him, but he just kept chipping in steals and he'd hit a homer here and a homer there and the batting average was terrible but he was just in the lineup and the stats kept adding up and uh, I never really felt like he was a great player but as you say you look back at the end of the season and it was like oh Jose Reyes was kind of valuable and he had the multi-position eligibility uh, I think he played so much because stuff went really wrong for the Mets but then you think well as Drupal Cabrera has not been a healthy guy and they hate Wilma Flores uh, and Rosario, as you say, hasn't proven himself. So I think one thing Reyes can still do is, is steal bases. Uh, he had an 80% success rate last year, even at the age of 34. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably worth a shot there, just on the, the chance that he does get regular playing time. Um, but on the flip side, I could easily see a situation where he's just on the bench most of the time um, and the Mets actually figure things out a bit better this year and maybe Flores does get to play or, or Cabrera stays healthier and Rosario is good and, and he's just on the outside and he doesn't really offer enough to for you to keep him on your roster so I think it's a, a fair draft cost based on those uncertainties but in a league where we're kind of starved for speed I think somebody who could steal 20-25 bases like Reyes is uh, probably someone who should be drafted everywhere Yeah it's I think you you hit it right on the head there when you said that you're not going to feel good about drafting him or looking at your <laughs> roster and seeing him on it. Uh, but you sometimes you have to take a look at some of these aging veterans and you have to say, well, you know, it may not be pretty, but it certainly uh, covers some ground. And generally speaking, they're, whatever role they're projected for is a role that they're going to be relied on for. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about some of the things that you have to worry about with multiple younger players sort of getting sent back down or, you know, or what have you, because that, that really doesn't happen to, to veterans uh, of the status that we're talking about today. 
now the last player that we're going to speak of is uh, Carlos Gomez, uh, a.k.a. Gogo, if you will. And Carlos Gomez has had this really long uh, history and path. Uh, he was traded way back when for Johan Santana as one of the major pieces going back to the Twins, and then he became a Brewer, and now we've had this uh, ongoing uh, part of the – he was traded to Houston and then the Rangers. and So uh, now he ends up with the Tampa Rays. And Carlos Gomez, of course, has never been known for any form of plate discipline, but is another guy who has provided a great deal of speed through big stretches of his career. JR, uh, how do you feel about Carlos Gomez this year? Um, it's a tricky player, I think, especially given his um, ADP at 332. Uh, he is 32 now. But kind of like all the other players we've discussed so far, he has a backstory. And it's a really interesting backstory where he was, you know, borderline first round pick back in the you know, 2013, 2014 era when he was hitting those 20 plus homers and having 30 plus steals every season. Um, obviously, his steals were down last year because of his hamstring injury, but his 802 OPS wasn't terrible. I think it was a little inflated because of his home. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ballpark. Um... I don't know. It's kind of one of those curious cases to see if, if we have a healthy and a, a full-time gig with Carlos Gomez. Could we see a 2020 year? Could we see maybe a 2030 year? I don't know if it really could happen, but at the gamble at 330, I mean, it's worth taking a shot if that player profile can pan out. Well, the thing about the Rays, to me, is you look at their lineup and there's a whole bunch of players where you say, well, maybe, you know, C.J. Crone never really got a full-time gig, sort of always had to share with Pujols, uh, you know, was sort of always had the threat that he wasn't going to hit, you know, wasn't going to play full-time when he was in Anaheim. So you go C.J. Crone, eh, maybe. You go Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, there's a power-speed combo in there, doesn't stay on the field regularly, but if he did, maybe. Wilson Ramos, uh, you know, underwhelming offensive player. Then the LASIK surgery all of a sudden looked like a great offensive player. Now he's the catcher and has, you know, got an incentive-laden year this year because, you know, he's going to try and cash in and become, a, you know, a, a contracted out full-blown catcher with not coming off a knee injury like he was when his free agency was up in Washington. So you go, well... Maybe, uh, you know, the maybes get a little get a little bleaker as you get down the lineup. I, mean, I don't think Matt Duffy at third base is all that awe inspiring, and I don't think uh, Christian Arroyo, uh, who they got from uh, San Francisco, I don't think he's all that awe inspiring either. But uh, at the same time, you sort of look up and down the lineup and you say, well, this lineup is supposed to be quote unquote terrible. 
but it's not like they're completely bereft of upside. And uh, Carlos Gomez sort of fits in very well in this lineup because he's a guy who, you know, in a bad year is like last year was 17 home runs and 13 stolen bases. I suppose the the downer or the bad news, of course, is that he managed to strike out almost 30% of the time. He struck out 30% of the time in 2016, and he struck out 29.8% of the time in 17. So if that's called a stride forward, uh, I it's a very, very, very tiny one at best. I, we sort of all know that the issue, the main issue with Gomez is definitely health. Uh, that we certainly understand. Uh, but he is a very talented guy, and he was once a highly touted fantasy player. And for him to be going this far down is definitely, uh, you know, something of a shocker. So, uh, Carlos Gomez is, you know, not on my radar, and there's a lot of things that scare me about him. And I actually had some opportunities to draft him late and uh, decided against it just because I'm so frightened uh, about his health at this point. He was always known to be an all-out defensive player that was, you know, he ran into a lot of walls and uh, he's crazy on the base paths, uh, at times crazy stupid on the base paths, getting picked off regularly. Uh, But fortunately, those sort of caught stealings and mental issues don't sort of uh, affect our game all that much in fantasy. Uh, But he can be a very frustrating player to watch play and he can be a very frustrating player to own but there's definitely um, upside sort of one of the narratives uh, about all the players that we've covered so far today is that these players uh, all produced immensely on fantasy fronts at one point and the sort of old cliche goes that once a fantasy player displays a skill he owns it and uh, some of these guys, you know, getting into towards their mid-30s are really pushing the limit of if we actually full-blown believe that anymore. Uh, so the players that we covered today are Andrew McCutcheon and Adam Jones and Hanley Ramirez and Jose Reyes and Carlos Gomez. And uh, I recognize there's probably a few ways that you can think all these players tie together. But Jr., I'm wondering what you thought was the uh, was the linking factor that I had. I sort of there's two or three things that certainly make sense here, and then there's one ultimate one that I was looking for that's probably a little little harder to get to. Well, despite Jose Reyes being on the list, most of these players are hitting in the heart of their lineup, and they're going particularly late. So I don't know if you're trying to maybe give the listeners a more of a way to get into the heart of the lineup by waiting a little bit and drafting later. I mean, like you said earlier, these were all former studs who have kind of definitely had regression with age. But I'm not an ageist. I you know age doesn't really matter to me. I'd be happy to have any of these players on my team, kind of except Reyes because I don't see the playing time. Yeah, and you're kind of getting to what my ultimate point was here. There was two things I wanted to do. One thing I wanted to do, and I'm going to do this now, is sort of pick your brain, and you you gave us a little hint towards it, that, uh, you know, is there times in draft, Darius mentioned it earlier, is there times in drafts where you think, boy, I've got some really high upside younger players. Maybe I need some uh, veteran anchors within my, my ranks of my fantasy teams 
do you get to points in draft where you feel that way or does your theory of non-ageism sort of hold true throughout your drafts? Well, that, that actually fits per- perfect with my team for the great invitational. Um, I took two players somewhat early that kind of had breakout seasons, which we really didn't see coming in, in Chris Taylor of the Dodgers and Marwin Gonzalez of the Astros. Now, both of these players are dual flexible and positioned so I can get them all over. But I wanted to make sure I really got the stats that in case they didn't work out, I know I can fall back and get some guys who are going to get me the stats because they've done it for about 10 years now. So later in the draft, I went with Longoria. I went with Brandon Belt. I went with Albert Pujols. Um, Pujols, I got around 330, which I thought was a phenomenal um, pickup. But I'm not an ageist. I mean, if these guys, these are numbers. At the end of the day, it's just numbers. If these numbers are going up on my computer screen, then I'm going to win. And it doesn't matter if the guy's 35 or 25. I just need these numbers put up. Well, I I certainly can see what you're saying there. And another thing, the ultimate thing that I was getting to here is – that these players all as young players would have been the body types that we assumed were going to age well. Uh, You know, they're all the ultra athletic types. And for the most part, they have, I mean, they've gone through some injury stretches, uh, especially with, with Hanley and uh, certainly with Reyes too, but we're still getting some speed value out of them into their early to mid thirties. And there's something to be said for that. And we, we always we go through this all the time uh, with free agency and with how we're trying to judge fantasy players as they're aging. Uh, you know, another person that was on the brink of us being able to talk about today was Miguel Cabrera, who was not the body type that you thought would age well. Uh, you also had uh, Prince Fielder, who, you know, was a guy, uh, Albert Pujols, who, you know, has really struggled with his running in recent years. So these are guys that were supposed to age well, and it's kind of a case study of how well they have and that we're still, we still see quite a bit of upside, and some of it comes from their, uh, their general body types or their general physiques. So I thought these were interesting guys to cover as far as that was concerned. After I had come up with this list uh, and had sent off the question uh, to you and Darius JR, I also, it also occurred to me that all these players are, are, very, are either in their, their walk year or are one year away from their walk year. And it's a curious time to talk about aging players and what exactly is going to happen to them on the free agent market. Because while these players are all still productive uh, and have been productive at least within the last couple years, I think this uh, hyper-analytic era that we live in could really frown upon them as free agents. Uh, do you see that as a link between them as well? And uh, do you see any of them even being able to get three-year deals going forward? Do you think Andrew McCutcheon gets a three-year deal when his, uh, when this deal is up? JR, how do you I, feel about that? I think some of these guys could be looking in the mirror and seeing Joey Batista look right back at him because here's a guy who, just like them for many years, was top of the game in the fantasy baseball world, and he can't even get a job anywhere. So for some of these guys that we've talked about today, I think that's definitely going to be something that they're going to have to worry about. I mean, do you settle for a one-year deal or you hold out for a three-year deal? Um, as far as McCutcheon goes, I think he is probably the best of this group right now. I mean, his ADP reflects that as kind of given, but I could see Kutch getting a three-year deal. No, I don't know if I see Reyes or 
Carlos Gomez getting a three-year deal, but it's kind of like you said, they've all aged very differently, but they all have kind of a similar skill set. Yeah, and they they have the capability of helping you across the board. Uh, I know Hanley uh, didn't run much last year, but he is a guy, especially early in his career, that was unbelievable on the bases. And I, I still see that he could get, if he's really determined to do it, I still think he can get to double digits this year. So there's uh, there's some similar lines uh, that we could have uh, crossed with these guys and talked about. Uh, but most, Im- most importantly, I just, uh, on top of, drawing this connection to these players i wanted to talk about them because they are players that sometimes aren't the sexiest picks and you see them sort of lagging behind where their actual adp is and it's easy to sort of forget about them when you have flashy younger upside players that you can choose from but at a certain point you need to be paying attention and you need to be thinking boy you know before i take a gamble on a complete unknown maybe there is uh, definitely a swan song season and a way that i could get uh, some some real value out of these players uh, interestingly enough on top of this one of the players on this list is the player that i own in most of my leagues i actually own him in four of the five leagues that i've drafted so far do you want to take a guess as to who that is jr you know i was actually going to ask you who do you have the most stock into this list um judging by what you've said and uh, how different we were in our opinions i'm going to say you've been scooping up reyes pretty late in a couple of your drafts i am actually stunned at myself that i don't own him yet uh, i do have a uh, a daily transaction league that I draft yet. And in daily transaction leagues, that multiple eligibility is especially important because you can slide them in on Mondays and Tuesdays when not everyone, Mondays and Wednesdays or Thursdays when everyone's not playing. Uh, you can slide them into different positions and get extra at bats. I think I will own a piece of uh, Jose Reyes yet going forward, uh, partially because I had faith in him uh, when he was going through his suspension and his problems that he had uh, when he got traded to Colorado. Uh, But the guy that I own the most of by far is uh, Hanley Ramirez. And uh, some of it is the ADP and a lot of it is that incredible spot in the lineup. If he were to get right for uh, a solid you know, three-month stretch in the season, I certainly can see him doing a lot of damage. The 111 RBIs that he had two seasons ago and, uh, you know, Betts and Benintendi in front of him and J.D. Martinez behind him now. Uh, and I also have always had this feeling about Hanley Ramirez that he's obviously – Hanley Ramirez is the only reason that Hanley Ramirez isn't a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's sort of just a sort of just been a lunkhead. Uh, you know, he's just he's he's floated all over statistically. He's floated around the diamond. Uh, you know, he thought he could play short when he couldn't play short. He lollygagged for a ball in the outfield in Miami that really that really cost him uh, dearly uh, with his teammates and dearly sort of uh, sort of his reputation amongst baseball people. Uh, but he has been very, very vehement about him not being anywhere as close to done as a baseball player and uh, he's been playing first base already in spring training. And so he is the upside gamble that I'm seeing late in these drafts where I'm saying, okay, he's a DH only now, but he's, you know, 99.9% certain of becoming first base eligible. And, uh, you know, 
I'm trying to gauge exactly what his upside is. I think 30 would be a lot of home runs, but I don't think 24 would be all that surprising. What do you gauge Hanley Ramirez's upside for home runs as this year? Well, there's only 30 three-hole hitters in the entire league. And if you're getting the three-hole hitter for one of the most potent lineups after pick 300, that's definitely some great value right there. Um, yeah. With Hanley, I, don't, I, I could see 25 to 30 right around in there. Maybe an uptick of, of RBIs too because people don't want to pitch the JD behind him. So maybe we could get back over that 70, maybe 75 RBI mark. You know, if you get a 27, 25, 27, 25 home runs and 75 RBIs from Hanley this year at the value that you're getting, that is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I kind of can't help myself when I get to a certain point. I'm always, uh, I, I had decided that I was going to wait a lot at first base, which has been a little more treacherous than I thought it was going to be, uh, because it seems like there's some really wide ADPs uh, with the Logan Morrisons and the uh, uh, Yonder Alonzos. Uh, seems like everyone's got sort of a ship that they want to put their flag on of those guys in the, the middling first baseman, the uh, Justin Smokes. And so uh, it has been tricky to uh, to navigate that and my fallback plan for helping that is landing uh, is, is landing uh, our man um, Hanley Ramirez uh, a little bit later in the draft as an insurance plan for me so it's certainly worked out that way and oddly enough uh, not only do I not own Jose Reyes but I don't own any of the other players on the list yet either <laughs> uh, but I you know I'm not remotely against owning some uh, some Andrew McCutcheon. I have a tendency where Adam Jones is going to be willing to uh, to play for upside on Adam Jones. So I don't I don't know how much of him I'm going to own, but he's certainly you know once you get towards pick 150, he's a pick I certainly understand uh, uh, other people investing in. And uh, Carlos Gomez is probably the least likely of these players that I'm going to own. I uh, I do attack speed early, and so uh, the speed boost that he could give you a little bit late compared to some of the other uh, you know end game plays is uh, less attractive for me. So uh, he's the one I, I think I'm going to own the least. Uh, how about you? How would you rank these players in your uh, perspective ownership of them? Uh, currently, I have a lot of stock of McCutcheon right now. I think I've already drafted him in two or three of my slow pick drafts. Um, Adam Jones, not so much because I've been a big Jonathan Scope guy and I'm, I see myself snagging Tim Beckham a little later in drafts. So I'm not finding a lot of Adam Jones stock because I'm buying the Orioles in other areas. Um, Carlos Gomez is interesting. He went 375 in our invitational draft, which is a lot lower than even his ADP. So, I mean, if I see him floating around there around the 360s to 380s, I would have no problem scooping him up. Hanley, unfortunately, I have J.D. Martinez literally in every league. So I'm not going to find myself getting Hanley as well, although I hope he does do well because I need J.D. to have a great year. And Reyes, like I said, I won't be touching. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, those are certainly uh, understandable uh, things. We, we had some technical difficulties today, and we, we lost Darius, so that's something that we're going to have to work on in the future. But at least we got uh, a taste of uh, we got we got a little taste of British spice from him again today, and uh, <laughs> we certainly uh, always appreciate uh, Darius's efforts. Um, uh, Jr., why don't you tell people your Twitter handle again, and tell people what you're working on, and uh, sort of what outlets we have for you as the season goes on here. Sure. The Twitter handle again is John Russell two one five. Love to have me as a follower. I'll follow right back. 
I'm working on a lot of stuff for the Phillies coming up this year. Um, definitely a nice big team preview once the final roster gets done. Uh, and a nice piece about Scott Kingry as well and how we we're, we're going to be able to use him and when we're going to see the timetable for him coming up. Yeah, that is turning out to be a very curious situation. I find myself, and uh, since we have a couple seconds here that we weren't expecting, um, I find myself being very uh, critical or very worried about J.P. Crawford uh, long term, just how slow his arc was to the majors compared to how a lot of people thought it was going to go, and the fact that now they're sort of turning up the velocity on how quickly they would like to be back in the competitive zone. Are you worried about J.P. Crawford, and how do you think that affects Kingery in that infield? I think maybe a year to two years ago, we were kind of thinking J.P. was going to be that top-of-the-order type guy, maybe a leadoff or number two hole hitter. Um, he's kind of looking more like he fits more comfortable in the six, seven, eight role, which is fine. Um, you know, if he can be there for a nice price tag and he plays great defense, I'll take it. I just think we need to tamper back our expectations for him. Whereas now the kind of spotlight is shine on Kingry. And I think we need to get him up here as soon as we can, wherever we can in the lineup. Cause I think he's going to really be a stud and a fantasy asset for years to come. So do you see uh, Michael Franco uh, holding on to the third base job the entire year? So I guess the base question is, where do you think Kingery is going to get most of his at-bats? That's the big question in the city right now. Um, Franco's got a great glove, and he had, he always had the potential to be our guy. I kind of compare Franco to Andre Iguodala of the Sixers a couple years ago because we brought Iggy in as a Sixer, and we thought he was going to be the man. But we're now we're seeing in a, in a, with the Golden State Warriors, in a diminished role, he can be very productive. That's maybe something what Franco needs. And we're going to see if he has a role diminished now with Hoskins here. He's not going to have to be the star. So I, I'm curious to see how this first half goes. If we see that the Phillies are out of it come the trade deadline, I could easily see Franco getting moved for some pitching help. Yeah, and that would be one of the doors that people are talking to uh, about uh, Kingery getting uh, a lot of at-bats by the middle of the season. One question that I've had that I haven't really seen answered is, if it comes to it, if there was injury uh, or what have you, could uh, could their second baseman move over to play shortstop? What would be their backup plan at shortstop if something happened with Crawford? I think Kingery would come up. Now, Cesar Hernandez can play some short. He's shown it in um, in the minors. And he's even had a couple games in the pros with it, too. So that defense for him, I'm not worried about. Cesar Hernandez standard. Bottom line, you know you're getting from him. Nothing great, nothing bad. But he'll get on base. And if there's an excuse to get Kingry up to this team after the, um, the deadline, then they will. Well, I also think uh, I, I'm more of a, a trend guy than most people are uh, because one thing that I see here is – you know, last year bringing up Hoskins uh, really benefited that team a lot down the stretch. And now that they're looking to be competitive, I think they're going to hope that uh, that their string of good fortune continues and that they can get a serious boost from Kingery by uh, midseason at the latest. So uh, there's there's definitely a bunch of fascinating things going on with the Phillies right now. As for me, I am 
Chuck Anderson, and I can be reached on Twitter at just chucking it. I do two podcasts a week for FWFB. Uh, I'm also a, a very active member on Twitter. I try to make sure and uh, tweet some stuff out uh, most every day. Um, I have an of note column, which I do during the baseball season, which uh, I put out some little blurbs uh, where you can read some very digestible tidbits that I think will uh, help nudge you with some information that maybe is uh, not out in the mainstream media. So you can look for that on the Friends with Fantasy Benefits site itself. And so uh, feel free to go out and give us a review on uh, Stitcher or on iTunes, any place where uh, where you use as a sort of podcatcher to, to catch up with us. And we will continue to uh, keep pounding out really solid information for you guys and give you guys a lot to think about statistically and keep your mind on these players as we move through the draft season and into the regular season. So this is Chuck Anderson and J.R. Fr- J.R. Fenton, and uh, we had a uh, we had we had some Darius Austin with us as well, uh, signing off for uh, the maiden voyage of the sort of game show esque version of midweek, trying to guess exactly what I'm getting at and why I put a player group together. Thank you so much for the listen, and uh, we'll keep going for you. Baseball season's around the corner; it's an exciting time. Thank you so much for the listen. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.